I had to look him up oh, and uh, yeah, and, and just try and read up on him and try and figure out why he's so dumb. <laughs> and you know, there's a reason. Um, that Chris had mentioned that there's a rumor going around that Rob Gronkowski, we had mentioned this in episode 488, as we welcome you to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, episode number 489. We are here. Hope all is well or as as well as can be in the situation that you're in, wherever you're listening today to Unscripted. We thank you. But we had touched briefly on uh, Rob Gronkowski's debut on WrestleMania. And uh, Chris just showed me during our little break between episodes, just showed me a video clip of Gronkowski's coming down to the ring uh, during WrestleMania 36. No, this was during SmackDown. This was was his first ever appearance. Sorry. This was his first impression. (laughs) Sorry. But still an empty house. And, uh, but he looked like a stripper. He looked like a male stripper. On Mike and Mike, or Mike, whatever that, uh, you know, that movie with Channing. Oh, Magic Mike. Magic Mike, right. Magic Mike. He just looked like a, a slimmed down stripper is what he looked like to me. Sitting there dry, hum- dry like, humping the, the side of the ring. He was I like mean, twerking Jesus by Christ. He was literally twerking by the pole. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the ring pole there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. But anyway, the reason maybe that Gronkowski is... If there's any validity to the rumor that Gronkowski's is going to sign a one-year contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be rejoined with Tom Brady, and and first and foremost, I briefly mentioned it and Chris seconded it by rattling off the two guys. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers do not need another tight end. Tampa Bay Buccaneers need some offensive linemen to protect TB12 or Tomba Bay as he's put out the... <laughs> registrar for which is just the dumbest thing since dirt in my opinion but getting back to Gronkowski real quick if you didn't know or weren't one of the eight viewers of the masked singer the stupidest show on television in my opinion yep um Gronkowski was eliminated on Wednesday night and if you didn't know he was the one that was masked as the white tiger a he couldn't sing b he couldn't dance and that's why he's kicked off the worst television show going right now. You're getting rid of a show like Bluff City Law, which I like, which had a meaning, which had some had some meat and potatoes to it, and yet a piece of crap like The Masked Singer is still on television with has-beens like Nicole Schwerzinger and Jenny McCarthy, I've laid on my back for everybody, McCarthy Wahlberg. Are you kidding me? And Ken Jeong? You know the reason Ken Jeong left the medical field because he's too stupid to be in the medical field because he can't tell a joke. He's not a funny man. Not and yet funny. he's on the mass singer. Not so it's the most perfect retread show right now in television. And the reason I watched it that particular episode is I have no sporting events to watch and I'm tired of watching reruns of other shows. There's the problem. Funny that uh, the anti-vaxxers like Jenny McCarthy, also a judge on the mass singer or whatever i still don't understand how the show works but anyway uh funny how you don't hear a lot of anti-vaxxer stuff lately yeah. as everyone's searching for a pandemic yeah. vaccine hey yeah. 
Man. <laughs> and speaking of stupidity, I just wanted to say Tom Brady on Twitter just responded to all the haters who are saying that Tampa Bay sounds stupid. And so Tom Brady at Tom Brady said, I never understood why Drew wasn't making Drew Orleans shirts. Oh, my God. He's a he's a dad. He, like, like yeah, in, the, we're that, in the worst sense of the word. I mean, um, dad I jokes, know. I guess, is what we... Tom's got a... Yeah. Tom's got a Two-year, $60 million contract. His wife is a world-renowned model that makes more than he uh, he does. And now he's out there schlepping T-shirts? Come on, TB. Be better than that. Your Michigan roots are coming out, pal. Oh, I hate Michigan just like I hate the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Detroit Lions. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming National Football League draft. Still scheduled to go uh, April 23rd through the 25th. And just so I get it out on the record, I just want to make sure we get it out on the record that I have no problem with a virtual draft. No problem at all. I think it's great that we have the diversion. We have something to look forward to. Then besides seeing retread hacks like Jenny McCarthy lay on my back, Wahlberg and Nicole, my boobs are staying out as far as they can, Schwarzinger on the mass Singer. Um, the NFL draft is always full of hits and misses, as we all know, on college players, no matter how well they played on Saturdays. Tony Mandrich, Ryan Leaf. But these five general managers that I'm going to rattle off, in my opinion, have more pressure on them than most in this upcoming 2020 NFL draft. I will name the five names. I will get Chris to make a comment. And then after Chris comments on this individual, I will have a blurb about my comments about this individual. So number one on my list, no particular order. No particular order. I want that to be perfectly clear. But the first of the five GMs that I think is going to have more pressure on himself than others in the GM brethren coming up on the April 23rd through 25th NFL draft. And I'm going to start in that division that I think has just become the worst in the National Football League, the AFC South. I'm going to start with David Caldwell of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, he's in a tough position because his team, talent-wise, should finish dead last in the league this year. And David Caldwell's never been that bad at the draft. His drafting Correct. record is good. It's his signing and trading. And God, you're good. Blake Bortles is on his way out. Let's extend him for another... 24 million and like what the heck is going on and then they cut him right after that and then he signs one year one million with the rams like what the hell is going on so he's one of those guys he's got a specialty if he was kind of the head of their draft war room i think that would be good and i don't think he's going to do a bad job of the draft but it's not going to be enough the idea for them has to be tanking this year you have to imagine they've got their eye on taking trevor lawrence in the 2021 draft first overall the video game character trevor lawrence uh, basically white Lamar Jackson, essentially. <laughs> With better hair. Yeah. And so well, I wouldn't go that far, actually. <laughs> oh, I like I like Lawrence's hair. Really? It it makes me feel young when I see him. I think someone's missing Clay Matthews over there no, across the table. No, not really. I no. got a story about him, too. Okay. But uh, no, I, I, 
I don't know. I think I think Trevor Lawrence is a very talented young man. He is, and and that would be a great thing for Jacksonville. They could really use a, a stud quarterback like that if he does turn out. Which, as we've learned a million times, you can never project college, especially quarterbacks. You can never Correct. project these guys to the NFL. They can look like the greatest thing ever. I mean, Tim Couch looked like a surefire, right? I mean, so and, and a million other examples. Brian but, Leaf. Yeah. Anyway, but with uh, David Caldwell, uh, yeah, it's. I, I I could absolutely see them tanking this year. No matter what he does, it's going to be wrong, and he'll get fired anyway. And then start fresh, maybe new coach, new front office, and first overall pick for 2021. I think that's kind of what they're looking at. Um, my take on Caldwell, and Chris has already mentioned a couple things, but after losing a boat vo- boatload of veterans via some questionable trades already this offseason, and only three, this is this is what I liked, and he, and, and again. I am not I'm I'm totally on board with Chris. His drafting has been good. It's after he drafts them it gets a little iffy. Only 3 of his last 7 first round picks still call Jacksonville home and none of them were picked before 2017. So he can get them into town, he can't keep them in town. The next hitman on my list and um I think that this guy is uh, going to be under the microscope, but I'll ask for Chris's comments first. We're going south of Jacksonville. We're going to Chris Greer from the Miami Dolphins. Wow. Well, there is a lot of pressure on him because the Patriots have finally left a vacuum, allegedly, if they're not going to be as good this year. They still have Belichick, of course. And Brian Flores is the real deal as a coach, and he's very, very impressive. And more than either of those things, though, the biggest reason why there's going to be a lot of pressure on him is because of all of the great draft picks that they do have. They have a full cupboard of draft picks, and you can't mess this up. It's great to make a bunch of trades and acquisitions and and just do a bunch of deals and really stock up the cupboards with draft picks. And that's a wonderful thing to get to. But as the Edmonton Oilers have learned and a number of other teams, if you then just have terrible scouting and you just blow them all, it was a big waste of time. You might as well have just traded for prospect at least or something. And so that's where the, the pressure is. There's a chance that the Miami Dolphins could win the division this year. Oh, I think so. With Brian Flores, I mean... They have to have some injuries in Buffalo. Yeah, probably. But hey, I mean... Geez, they a lot of Buffalo has got some new players. They have to get used to each other. What if Diggs and Josh Allen have no chemistry? Well, and not only that, but remember, I just the thought came in my mind. Don't mean to interrupt, but the last the last half of the season, this last year, with that mix mash of crap of a, of a uh, roster, the Dolphins were five and three. Yeah, I thought I thought they won like five of their last six or something. Maybe no, they were five and three yeah, in the some... second half of the season. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, they were amazing. They just were fantastic. As long as they didn't have Josh Rosen, even Brian Flores couldn't overcome Josh Correct. Rosen. But as long as he had Fitz Magic, no problem at all. So I was just really, really impressed with Brian Flores. I really like him. And I know you've always been, the Dolphins are kind of your backdoor team right. there. No. But uh, I, I will happily cheer for them over the Patriots and the Jets. And uh, I'd like to see them get second, or I, I could live with them being first in the division. I really like Brian Flores a lot. And it's nice to see someone who actually appears to have learned something from Brian Fl- uh, from Bill, Bill Belichick, Belichick yep. right? Unlike, unlike Butchin, where we could, do an, we could do an hour every week on the new dumb stuff he does. Oh, God. And I'm sure we'll get to that, but we'll save that. But, <laughs> but I mean, apparently, 
you know, uh, you can learn from Bill Belichick. It's not just from smelling his farts. You have to actually listen to him and watch what he does. But Brian Flores looks like the real deal. And I hope that Bill Belichick is proud of him. Chris Greer in Miami, to me, uh, it was easy to rid his roster of talent for draft picks. The hard part is turning those picks into franchise building blocks. He's got 14 picks in this next draft, and he's got five of the first 56 picks. That's crazy. So yeah. he, it's paramount that Mr. Greer uh, does well. He, he's not going to bat a 1,000, but if he can get three building blocks out of those first five picks, I think he's done very, very well. But there's going to be pressure on Chris Greer. He's going to find it was much easier to make trades to rid the roster of talent than it is to bring talent in, I believe. And uh, that's why I think there's going to be extra pressure on Chris Greer of the Miami Dolphins. The one thing I wanted to say about him, too, the one trade that it's been reported he does really regret is trading Minka Fitzpatrick to the Steelers. He should. And he really should. And I said right when that happened that, that oh, I don't like that trade. That's a bad trade. Even though I'm not saying the return was that bad, but he just shouldn't have made the trade because he got, I think, a first-round pick for him. He did. From the Steelers. But... You know, now they've got Xavier Howard, who didn't really look good last year, but he was all by himself. Now he's got the excellent Byron Jones across from him. Imagine right. you have Minka Fitzpatrick as a yeah. safety between those two. Really tough to throw on that. So Got that's that, the right. one one error he made. I mean, I know it was tempting. When he made the trade, though, he hadn't seen, I don't think, how good Brian Flores was going to be. Correct. And it just looked like, hey, you know what? Let's just... Let's just get a record amount of high draft Is it picks. also safe to say that Fitzpatrick, excuse me, um, Mika. Mika Fitzpatrick? Correct. Fitzpatrick. You know, I, I get Fitz magic, Mick. But anyway, yeah. I think that he probably was better. Obviously, he was better. The numbers reflect that, uh, his contribution to a good Steelers defense. But, you know, like you just said about the guy that's kind of been on his island on his own on his own down in Miami, I think probably Fitzpatrick felt that way when he was in Miami. Mm -hmm. And it really, when he had a T.J. Watt to work with, a Cameron Hayward to work with, the guys that he has to work with in Pittsburgh, that probably helped his game as well, would you agree? Absolutely. I, th I think you could, I think people could see that he was a talented guy. And I think it was just like, hey, we're doing a, a full nuclear rebuild right. here. And at the time... He, I mean, if he knew everything that he knows now, I don't think he makes the trade, but it's not like he traded him for a seventh round pick or something. Right. I mean, the return was reasonable. It's not, he didn't get ripped off. It was just a trade that in hindsight, he wouldn't have made. Next guy on my hit list. Um, and if you are just joining us, we welcome you to this 489th episode of Unscripted. I've got five general managers uh, in regard to this upcoming April 23rd through 25th NFL draft, I've got five general managers that I feel could have more pressure on them than the other 20, uh, other, uh, 27. Thank you. My math is terrible. <laughs> it's okay. My other, the other 27 general managers of, the, of this upcoming virtual draft. We've gone through two. Number three on my hit list. I hope I'm pronouncing this. I always seem to get it wrong. Chris will correct me if I'm not right, but Jason Licht. Yeah, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and not because of anything he hasn't or has or hasn't done, but the the temperature in Tampa Bay to me. Well, let me let me. I'm going to shut my mouth. I'm going to keep saying what I was going to say. I'll have Chris give his comments, and then I will comment on the current general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, well, he has a lot of pressure here because Tom Brady signing as a free agent with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
it was one of the most unlikely things I thought I'd see in my lifetime in sports. So he's going to have a lot of pressure there. They've already committed to and overpaid Donovan Smith as their left tackle. So that's really disappointing that they have that. And because they've got, it seems like their O-line's okay, but it's a bit, I don't know, it's a bit shaky. I'm a little concerned with it because if their O-line is elite and Tom Brady even plays remotely decently, geez, I mean, they could, that offense is going to be terrifying. They were the top yardage offense in the league with Jameis Winston throwing 30 picks. What are they going to do if Brady plays properly? Right. Yeah, it's going to be amazing potentially. And uh, I don't know. I, I think he has to really make sure he's got the defense shored up and any improvements he can make to the O-line. Uh, so, yeah, if he can get some maybe some defensive playmakers to help, and maybe if you have a really dazzling playmaking defense to go with the offense, I'd, I'd look for some real special safeties or corners maybe uh, in, in Tampa. So, yeah, he's he's got a lot of pressure on him, but he's going to live and die, I think, with how Brady does. Because Brady is a broken down 42 year old, which is no one's expecting for some reason. It's absolutely a possibility. And if that happens, I don't know if it matters what he does. Well, I don't have anything really more to add there except the Glazier family, which has a bit of a reputation in the NFL circles as a, you know, it's, it's Malcolm and his two sons. Jeez. What is it with football owners and their two idiot sons? I don't know. But anyway, the Glazier family have a reputation of being kind of cheap with money and, you know, kind of that proverbial, they throw nickels around like manhole covers. But for them to sign off on bringing in the legend, Tom Brady, to be their quarterback, now the job for the new for the general manager, the current general manager of the Tempe Buccaneers, getting the roster upgraded immediately to surround TB12 with the talent to win a championship is enormous pressure for the Bucks general manager. And it's not just from the eight people that are still fans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which has probably obviously escalated with the signing of Tom Brady. But the Glazer family, I mean, remember, they once traded for John Gruden, got themselves a Super Bowl championship. Um, it costs, it costs to bring home a Lombardi trophy. And I think that working for the Glazers who aren't, you know, they're, they're, they're known again in NFL circles as being, uh, conservative with their spending. They've gone out and gotten the big prize in regard to free agent quarterbacks. You know, regardless of what you think of Jameis Winston, the guy threw 30 touchdown passes last year, he was a former number one overall pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think the pressure is quite heavy coming up in April on Jason Licht of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, sir. And of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons both released their new jersey looks this week. Uh, First thing I wanted to say about that, our buddy Greg had a major problem with a poll on, I'm assuming it was ESPN, where they just think that every single NFL fan worships Tom Brady for some reason, which is not even close. Not to even the case. close. That's a ridiculous thing to think. But because uh, I always remember during uh, that one time when football was uh, whatever, when there was the you know wondering if it was going to come back or whatever, and you know they had the poll or they had the thing, you know keep up with Tom Brady, the fun, the football, and everything in between. Well, you know, football's not going on. It was weird. But anyway, so for the Bucks, they had a poll, according to Greg, that said, which of the three new jerseys will Tom Brady look best in? It's like, oh, come, come on, guys. Like, 
I, I mean, he, that's hero this worship. Walk, yeah, this isn't walking down the runway, guys. This is football. That's unbelievable. But the other thing was, and this is for me, I was extremely disappointed, as many were, that none of the three jerseys had anything to do with the old creamsicles. And I'm telling you guys, that's where you should have gone. I mean, I can't believe there's not some jersey in the NFL that's just white and like bright neon orange. I'm just surprised that doesn't exist. You you have to make sure you have a really good white jersey with a, as little on it as possible when you're a South Florida team. And then you get to select where the white road jerseys at home and make the other team sweat it out in their dark jerseys. It's a great tactic, tactic that you can do these days. And they should really prioritize a really plain white jersey. One of the most beautiful jerseys I've ever seen is that Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders, when they had the color rush, and it was just all white, and you get the silver, silver numbers, numbers, that and that's cool. it. Oh, does that ever look beautiful, right? So you want something like that, I think. Uh, and it, they don't have to be exactly like the old creamsicles. The logo feather thing was kind of weird. I never liked that, but I love the orange and white and the creamsicle idea. You can totally update it, but I think they should have a jersey. Forget the... I guess it's pewter, that yes. almost indescribable helmet color they yeah, have. And then the, pewter, yeah. And then that kind of red thing they have. It's okay, but forget all that. Like, I want just bright white and bright neon orange, and that's it. And have some fun with it. Bring back the creamsicles. I and like, that was disappointing. I like the Atlanta jerseys better than the Tampa Bay jerseys. Tampa Bay just looks like they went back to the Gruden era. They didn't make many significant changes. But I, I yeah. kind of... And and not that Atlanta made wholesale changes either, but I did like the Atlanta jerseys. I like the ATL. I like the different combos you can have. They had an all white version. They had a uh, white with red pants version. They had a black and red. I mean, I, I, I if I had to pick up the two, I'd take the Falcons over the Bucks. I might almost take the Bucks. I didn't mind it. I just would have liked uh, an updated creamsicle one way better. Uh, Atlanta, they just hardly changed anything. Like, well, like I, if I you're looking I, from and, far away, they look exactly the same. And that's my thing with Tampa Bay. I don't think they really change that yeah, much they either. Yeah, didn't change enough. Yeah. Um, let's go. All right. We should have a lot of fun with these last two general oh, managers. Good. I saved these two specially for last. <laughs> um, number four on my hit list is a guy that has already been told by his bosses that if it doesn't improve in 2020, then there will be a change at the end of the season. And I'm talking about the New York Giants general manager, Dave Gettleman. The Giants are 9-23 and in the two, two seasons under Gentleman. And before I get my shot at ripping him, let's go to the boss and see what he's got to say about Gettleman and his upcoming draft, April 23 through the 25th, for the New York football Giants. This is a very well-deserved situation that he's in. And I'm not even specifically saying that as you know someone who doesn't really care for Gettleman. I just, this is what it should be about. Because in the real world, outside of sports, uh, especially outside of sports management in these leagues, in the real world, if you do a bad job, you're fired. <laughs> and that's even just, you know, bottom of barrel jobs. These executives are making the same money as some of the athletes. Yeah. So the whole point of having a general manager is to make the big decisions. Now, with the New York Giants, this is exactly when a GM earns their money because they have so many different holes to fill. They don't have a terrible team. They have a better roster than the Jaguars. But I mean, they have so many different ways they could do go, especially with their first round pick. Nobody seems to have any idea where they're going with the first pick. They could take that offensive tackle. They could take a defensive player. 
it's really tough. I have to think that they should really focus on the offensive line for Balsic because ball security has been such an issue of Daniel Jones, and he's shown a lot of promise otherwise. Right. So I think that makes sense, but they've got a lot of holes to fill. They need to not only draft well for Gettleman's sake, but draft well for guys that can have an impact immediately. So guys that could potentially show off right away. And he is really going to sink or swim based on his decisions. Correct. It, it is really going to come down to merit here. And that's beautiful. And it's wonderful to see in some of these leagues where it seems like guys, no matter what they, you know, Jeff Fisher gets to stay around for five years without having a winning record and things like that happen that just should never, ever happen. And they do happen in the corporate world too. Don't get oh, me wrong. Absolutely. You see guys that have sat there for 30 years and fallen through the cracks absolutely. and now they've seniority. It happens there too. Don't get me wrong. But this is a great time where, look, if he makes some unbelievable choices and decisions then he deserves to keep his job and if he doesn't then he's out and then someone else can take this incredibly coveted high-paying job so yeah i mean he's going to get i believe what he deserves one way or the other well gettleman again nine and 23 in the two seasons under his leadership the mara family of which of course has owned the new york football giants jesus since god they've they've always was wellington mara and uh, Steve Tisch, and then they moved, and those guys moved on. Now it's the son, John Mara. Regardless, the Mara family wants results now, and damn it, they should have it. Um, he has his quarterback. He's got his running back, obviously, in Saquon Barkley. But he better hit on some picks at premium positions. And in my opinion, that's offensive tackle, cornerback, and an Ed Rusher. I think those are three things that Gettleman needs to get out of this draft. Hell, this guy signed two guys off of Green Bay's underperforming defense, Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackrell. Green Bay didn't want these two guys. It's not like they're ex-Ravens. So if you're stretching to bring in Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackrell, um, this is a huge draft for Dave Gettleman. I personally think Gettleman will be gone at the end of the year. Me too. I don't think he can correct all of his mistakes in one draft and in one free agent signing period, and I don't think you can improve that much. I think the Maras will be looking for a new general manager at this time next year. Now, this is going to be fun. Uh, When I put this together last night, I was going to have fun with this. So I'm going to let you go first because I've got a whole bunch of stuff here in revolve in excuse me in regards to the number 5 general manager on this list that I think is going to have more pressure than the other 27 general managers and in this guy's case he might have more pressure than the 31 other general managers uh before the April 23rd through 25th draft and I'm talking about my favorite whipping boy 250 miles north excuse me south of Green Bay Ryan Pace of the Chicago Bears. (laughs) Well, I mean, so we've been doing Unscripted for almost three years now. And one of my earliest memories Mm -hmm. was ripping on Ryan Pace, specifically for that unbelievable Mike Lennon deal, Mm -hmm. which I was ready to bet my life would not work out anyway for any amount of money, even if you gave Mike Lennon a million a year. Right. But the fact that he gave him 15 million times three. Yeah, yeah. While, you know, Glennon had never proved anything outside being a backup, well, no one else was willing to give him 10 million a year, but (laughs) Pace gave him 15 million a year because that's just kind of what you pay starting quarterbacks. That's like what the Oilers did with, 
Devin Dubnik back in the day, and then what Peter Chiarelli did with Miko Koskinen, which got him fired two days later. Right. It's a ridiculous thing, and it's amazing that someone like Peter Chiarelli, especially out of Harvard, I believe, could make a mistake on such yeah. a basic tenet of economics. If no one else is willing to offer more than $10 million, then you don't need to offer more than, I mean, 11 max. I mean, if, if he's, if he's going to pick the other one, if you offer the same money, maybe. But it made no sense. And then he goes, and of course, John Lynch tricks him into trading up to, <laughs> for spot. Mitch Trubisky for one spot, giving up. I mean, just layers and layers of incompetence with this Ryan Pace guy. And he is just a complete embarrassment. He signs Robert Quinn, gives him 14 times five, which is $70 million, to play in the wrong scheme, right, where he's never been playing that great. He gives Jimmy Graham two times eight. And in case you're wondering, because if I heard that right now, I would I would not bet my life it was eight million times two years or two million times eight years because neither one makes any sense. <laughs> so I, I would have been like, I'm worried about having to pick with my life on the line there. Jimmy Graham can't even walk anymore. And I mean, maybe he would be a great red zone target to stand there and not move if either guy could hit him. And maybe Nick Foles can on a good day, but not on his bad days. And Trubisky sure can't. So Ryan Pace is just a disaster. He's, I know he's a younger guy. I had to look him up. Oh, and, did you? Uh, yeah, and, and just try and read up on him and try and figure out why he's so dumb. <laughs> and I wasn't able to. I mean, I was, you know, I just didn't really see anything to, uh, uh, yeah, I think he's from some place called Flower Grove, Texas or some weird name, but I don't know. He's just a disaster. And I mean, it's great for the rest of the NFC North, especially the Packers, Damn right. but that Mike Glennon thing still, I mean, that was one of the first things I remember getting really angry about on Unscripted in our early episodes yeah. was just Ryan Pace being a moron. And I'm it's really bringing back memories. I feel like it's 2017. <laughs> I think about all the stuff that's happened in my life and your life since then. And it's amazing. But it really takes me back talking about what a knob Ryan Pace is. <laughs> well, you've hit on a lot of really good ones. I don't know if I can top that. But I have here in my notes, Ryan Pace, Chicago Bears. Just keep screwing up, putz boy. Um, so let's... <laughs> So let's review. Yeah. He missed in the draft on wide receiver Kevin White. Mm -hmm. He was at 11th overall pick in his draft year. He allowed outside linebacker defensive end Leonard Floyd, replaced him with Robert Quinn. I think Leonard Floyd will do well out in Las Vegas with the Raiders. Inside uh, line. Is he on the Raiders? I think he's on the Raiders. No, he's on the Rams. He's on the Rams? I think the, I think the Rams got Leonard Floyd. Oh, okay. My mistake. One of the two, Chris is probably right. Let's put him on the Rams. But regardless, I think Leonard Floyd will strive that now that he's uh, out of Chicago. Um, they missed on inside linebacker Roquan Smith. And obviously, they quite possibly have missed already on quarterback Mitch Trubisky. Now, as Chris uh, reminded us, uh, Pace traded up one spot for Trubisky while passing on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. He's going to have to find the 85 Bears from somewhere to make up for his drafting miscues so far in Chicago. And just even a couple of, well, I guess it'd be at the beginning of the free agent frenzy period, so early March, he sends a fourth-round pick where a lot of, of the quote-unquote experts thought they could have sent a sixth or seventh-round pick to Jacksonville for Nick Folds. And not only does he pick up Jackson, or excuse me, Nick Fold from Jacksonville for a four. 
where he could have gotten him for a sixth or a seventh, he also picks up the three remaining years left on Mr. Fold's uh, exaggerated contract. So um, I hope Ryan Pace goes on in Chicago for another 20 years because that'll make me 75 and closer to my death. And all that time, if he lands the next 20 years as the general manager of the Chicago Bears, I'm going to have some good times ahead. So I hope Mr. Pace stays on in Chicago forever and ever. Amen. But for the nine remaining Bears fans, this could be a very important draft. And I don't think you've got the right guy leaning, leading your, your team uh, for sure. Let me see. Hold on. I got to see. I can't let us go to another hour, but I can let us go a few more minutes. A few other uh, quick notes in the National Football League, but I do want to share the funny that I saw about Trubisky. But uh, Minnesota running back Delvin Cook says that he's the best running back in the NFL. Quick question for you. Who is better, if anybody? McCaffrey. That's one. Saquon Barkley. There's two. There's one guy in his division. Now, I'm biased, but I think there's one guy in his division that might be better if the Packers would utilize him correctly. Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones. Uh, Other than giving too many touches to Jamal Williams, they utilized Aaron Jones pretty well I think they could utilize Aaron Jones even more. Maybe, and they might do it this year. They may have to. He was a real breakout star this year. 19 touchdowns. Obviously, he can catch the ball. Some of the catches, except for that one, I well, know. But everyone's going to have that stick in their mind. Everybody's going to have a bad, you know. I mean, you know, Jerry Rice dropped every once in a while, dropped something from the. Quite arguably, a lot of people think the greatest of all time, which is Joe Montana. Um, but Delvin Cook is indispensable to the Minnesota Vikings. I totally agree. But the best running back in the NFL, I think we've named two for sure, in regard to. Uh, Saquon Barkley, and who was your first one again? Oh, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's, well, yeah. white boy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know about Aaron uh, Aaron Jones. I'm biased, of course, but I think if, if Matt LaFleur and uh, I can't remember who the hell uh, his uh, offensive coordinator is, which is really a surprise for me. His dad used to coach at USC, Nathaniel Hackett. If Nathaniel Hackett and Matt LaFleur ever decide to use Aaron Jones correctly, I think that you could put Aaron Jones potentially after this season, if he doesn't get injured, you could put him in that upper echelon of running backs. But I don't think Delvin Cook is the best. I think he's, again, indispensable to the Minnesota Vikings, mainly because their quarterback is still Kirk Cousins. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see Delvin Cook this year because more of the offense is going to have to be run through him, especially losing Diggs and losing all the things that they lost on defense. Minnesota is not even the second-best team in a weak, weak NFC North division, in my opinion. They they could still finish second in the division, though, the the Vikings. They could because Ryan Pace is the general manager of the Bears, and we know the Lions, all all respect to our friend Sean, but... uh, the Lions are still the Lions. I could I could honestly see the Bears completely collapsing this year. To oh, be, I could too. To be honest. I oh, absolutely. And the Lions can do that every year. It so. wouldn't surprise me if the Packers come in at eleven and five, then you have the Vikings at nine and seven, eight and eight. I'm I'm trying to be I'm not trying to be so big a homer, but this division, if it isn't won by the Packers this year, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. There's there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. The Lions are gonna be the Lions. The Bears could I totally agree with you could just right to the basement of the division and you know, seven and nine, eight and eight for the Vikings eh, with seven teams that might get them in. 
maybe the oh boy uh todd Gurley, if he was healthy is better than delvin cook but he's not as he's we not know. healthy but he's but as we know he's not um Delvin Cook's a lot like Melvin Gordon, to be honest. I Agreed. mean, they're both they're both quite good and they're both similar players. Melvin Melvin Gordon, as as weird as that signing was, because they already had two good backs, especially Lindsay. Uh, Melvin Gordon could actually. I mean, the more I've thought about it, if they for some reason aren't worrying about those other two guys, uh, they like, he could have a really good year. He could be really good. Well, and I, and again, I I don't know how you can not have a conversation in regard to best, not the best, but among the best, I think you've got to find a place for Alvin Kamara in there too. Probably, but no matter how you slice just it. Because, I'm sorry, but just because of how diverse he is and all the things that Alvin Kamara can do on a football field, it's impressive. That's true. No, he is very good. I can't see him being a long-term three-down back though, No, which, which, which hurts, whereas all those other guys I said could, I think, do it if they knew to, especially McCaffrey and Barkley. I think no matter how I ranked it, I think that without even thinking, I could in ink put Delvin Cook in the top five. Oh, I, I, I'm not taking a shot at Delvin Cook. Mm-hmm. I respect Delvin Cook. He plays for the team that I hate the most. So there's some, you know, there's some. It's like, you know, if you're like us, Edmonton fans stuck in Calgary, mm-hmm. and we've got to watch Johnny Gaudreau play. That is painful to do. Uh, I wish Delvin Cook was on the Packers. Sure. If we didn't have yeah, Aaron Jones on the roster. Um, but I don't think he's the best. I think no. there are other choices that I would pick before him. I think some players say that just because they think it's the right thing to say and or they want to make sure that they are kind of challenging themselves or they might just have that kind of an ego. I think with Delvin Cook, though, I think he really does believe it. And you know what? There were times last year, I think probably due to injury, where Saquon Barkley didn't look as good as Delvin Cook. Christian McCaffrey as an overall back, boy, it'd be it'd be tough to take anyone over McCaffrey. And I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I will say this. When you talked about offensive lines, Delvin Cook has put up some really impressive numbers behind an iffy at best offensive line in Minnesota. And that's true, but I mean, you could say the same for McCaffrey oh, and, abs- and Carolina. Absolutely. There's, there's intangibles for each of these guys that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, working with the least... Has got to be, in my opinion, has got to be McCaffrey. Especially this year. Especially this year. Backup quarterback, shitty offensive line, no wide receivers that I can think of. Coach with no experience. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I just, I think this is a great discussion topic. Cook would be in the top five. He would not be number one. Before we get out of here, I got to share this with you. This is another shot at my friend Mitch Trubisky in Chicago. Thought this was hilarious when I saw this about Trubisky in Chicago. A social distancing sign in front of a restaurant in Chicago. And on the sign, physically on the sign, and it says, I quote, During this coronavirus outbreak, remember to remain at least 10 feet away from others. If you're wondering how far that is, picture a Bears wide receiver and then imagine where Trubisky actually threw the pass. That distance is about 10 feet. (laughs) Even during something is, I don't know, immense. I don't know if another is a better word, but something is enormous as a pandemic of this COVID-19 pandemic. And the Bears fans are ruthless and honest, even during that with their supposedly franchise quarterback. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I saw one of those for Kaepernick as well, and everyone's yeah, been know. everyone's been having fun with those for sure. But see, so Kaepernick isn't pissing me off right now because he isn't playing for a team that's in my division. So uh, I don't think personally Kaepernick wants to play in the NFL again. No, he doesn't. But with Trubisky, do you believe the Bears have said that it's an open competition? Do you Bullshit. really be- do you really believe Nick that? Foles is coming in as the number one? Obviously, in my opinion, honestly, even if it was. Uh, uh, an open competition. I have a hard time picturing Trubisky beating almost anybody. How can you have a team with basically the same defense that last year was a field goal away, a missed field goal away in 18 of going farther, advancing in the playoffs? You missed, you know, the guy hits the upright and, and LA wins. Congratulations. But how can you go from that and 12 and four and the quarterback was only in his second year when he did that, and he digresses or degresses or sucks that bad. Regresses. Regresses, thank you. God, I got to work on my... Well, you know, I'm sitting at home watching, you know, Mass Singer. You regress that much to the point that you're not even in the playoffs the next year. I got to believe that when you send a fourth rounder to Jacksonville and you bring on the money that is still owed and the years that is still owed to Nick Folds in Chicago... Nick Folds, who has won a Super Bowl, regardless of what you think about it, he's won a Super Bowl, he's won big games in his career, all as a member of the Philadelphia Eagles, but regardless of that again as well. Um, and I think Filippo, if I'm not mistaken, is on the Chicago coaching staff for next year. Oh, that does sound familiar. Um, for some reason, that seems to resonate in my head. But regardless of all that, you don't do what even an idiot like Ryan Pace has done by making a trade of that magnitude, if you think that there's going to be an open competition for the Bears' starting quarterback, if you believe that, you're as dumb as dirt. Yeah, and he did regress. You're right, Mitch Trubisky, but he was never that good to start with, so he didn't have that far to go. So I think the difference for me was that in 2018, he was Trent Dilfer, and in 2019, he was Tim Tebow. Nice. I'm going to write that one down. Um, that's got to be on the opening blurb. That was beautiful. <laughs> Um, we've got to run, but before we do, again, I just want to remind you, let's keep the, let's keep the momentum going. You guys have been great. As Chris informed me earlier today, we had two of our biggest download days ever in the history of Unscripted the last couple of days. Let's keep the momentum going. If you can subscribe on to our iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google Play, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. And as the boss has whispered into all of our ears a couple of times already, it might be six, or it might be more. It might so be more. He's uh, he's working hard behind the scenes. God bless him. But if you can go to one of those five, current five, more on the way. If you can go on to one of those current five and subscribe, we'd be eternally grateful. And with the new website now too, as Mike was saying, yes, you can, you can also go and click subscribe right at which unscri- I did right at unscriptedmc.com. Perfect. We've got to run on this on uh, this. Uh, 489th episode of unscripted and that's another we're three weeks away from episode number 500 that'll be a good one that'll be a good one looking forward to that one i think we just dedicate like one of our one of our meetings just to episode oh for sure we are for sure we are yes yes we are and i thought about that but we're for sure going to do that because we want to have uh, chats with uh, a lot of the right. you know people that have helped us get friends here, of the show friends and, of the and, show yeah. people who have appeared on the show before 
you know, uh, Mike and I have helped uh, line up uh, someone new who's never been on the show before as well. So, yeah, no, that's going to be a big episode. And absolutely. And just, you know, between having to call each guy and get all acquainted and everything, it's going to take some time. So it doesn't necessarily have to be three and a half hours long like episode 100 was, <laughs> which where we had Ryan Hall on. But for this one, uh, no, episode 500 will be a big one. It'll be the only show that week for sure. It'll take me a while to edit it and everything. Well, for sure. And uh, I want it to be a really special one because, you know, 100 was big and all the... 200, 300, 400 were big. And we've done some good stuff for each, a lot of those. Like 200, we had Bernie on. And uh, they've been they've been good. But we five, had Sean, 500 been good. We had Vancouver Sean on 300. Or was he on 200? Uh, uh, 200 and 201 were Bernie. And then 202 and 203 were Sean Doe oh, in okay. Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for 500, that's a really big one. That's that's going to be the biggest one we have until 1,000, right. which was, would be just insane. So we'll see where we are in 1,000 in a few years. But for episode 500, that'll be a big one. Really looking forward to that. It, we're going to have the most people ever on one show that we've ever had, and it's going to be a really special episode. Really looking forward to that. Uh, you'll you'll see that episode posted in very early May. I can't wait. That uh, That is great. Um, halfway to our goal of a thousand episodes and uh, we have made a lot of progress this last month and we thank everybody for helping us out in that regard for sure. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.